And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Okay, we are back with an actual real not terrible edition of the leaf report podcast brought to you by bab socks yeah thank you to anyone that listened to the terrible edition that was last week if you want to go check it out it, it was the worst podcast we've ever done well sometimes what happens is we try to figure out ways to do it more conveniently and we just try to do it at the rink and it so oh, you got the window open everyone complains when you do that all right so go close it <laughs> i'll just wait here podcast is brought to you by bab socks bab anybody who was at the athletic subscriber party probably bought themselves a pair Close the window. I got a couple. I have purple bab socks on. Oh, purple. Very yeah. good. That's for the Cam H, isn't it? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we have a lot to discuss. Um, we're recording this just before the start of the regular season. Um, so let's go through training camp to start. Um, big picture question. Anything surprise you at camp? I guess Borgman making the team and the team being so high on him is a little bit surprising. I, it stood out to me right from the very first day they were on ice in Niagara Falls because I remember, I think you were one of the first tweets you said, or maybe we were just talking about it, and you're like, this guy's really fast. Like, his skating really stood out to you, like, as soon as you saw him play. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Borgman's way less experienced than uh, Rosen. Like, Rosen's been around quite a bit longer. I think he's yeah. three years older, at least two, two he's or three. Two, yeah, he thinks he's and 24 and, and Borgman's 22. Right. But I don't know that. But Borgman's only played one year in the Swedish elite yeah. league like he's only played one year in the top so for him to make the team i think that counts as a little bit surprising i thought maybe dermot would beat them out mm-hmm. just because he was he was dominant in the ahl i mean he's one of the best five or ten defensemen in the ahl but i think with dermot what they're thinking is he's 20 years old like there's no need to like push him in let's see what borgman slash rosen can do and if both of those guys falter then maybe we see dermot at some point but mm-hmm. the thing i wrote in my piece this morning i don't know if you had a chance to I read did. it was just how much more depth this organization has that if they have last year if they would have had two or three injuries on defense they would have been in a big big problem 
yeah. and they did. They were lucky, you know. But when they didn't have Riley, I can't remember how many games Riley missed. But when they didn't have Riley there for, a couple I think it weeks. was six games or something like that, it was it was a big problem. This year, I think they've got a lot more options. There's not going to be like Corrado or Marchenko or. Yeah. Well, look, like Roman Polak and Granite, he's coming off a broken leg, but they don't like who knows. We'll talk about that where he stands, but like he is like even if he's healthy, he's probably like bubble. an extra. Bubble. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that they spent all of last year defending Hunwick and Polak. Um, they played pretty big minutes in the playoffs and all that. They could have brought both those guys back. Mm-hmm. Like they could have, they could have brought Hunwick back. It's not like he got like a outrageous contract. I see that Hunwick is on the third pair in Pittsburgh to start the season, probably where he deserves to be. But it's just interesting that the organization despite defending both those guys in that pairing all year, realized, I think. I mean, it feels like they realized they wanted to move on. Maybe. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens with I'm, I'm sure they probably didn't want to give three years to Matt Hunwick if they could get Hainsey, who maybe they think is better for two, although Hainsey's, I think, five years older than, than Hunwick. But I think that the point you made it uh, in your story and just made here, um, depth within the organization. Remember at the end of last year, Mike Babcock talked about how they had you know, still ways to go to get to the point where they could be like Tampa, where if they had all these injuries, they could have these guys come up from the minors and play. Now, although like, Tampa missed the playoffs, although Tampa, <laughs> but still, like, but they, they had a bunch of guys. But they had like these Braden points right. and guys like that come yeah. up and play. And to your point, now you look if they saw the only place where they actually two places where they probably can't afford much is at center and in goal. And yep. even at center, they can do some things. They can move Nealander over, like or they Marlo. have some options yeah. or Marlow. Uh, but defense, they have options and forward, like. Kasperi Kapanen looks like he's ready to play in the NHL. Nikita Soshnikov is probably ready to play in I the thought, NHL. I thought Andreas Janssen looked really good. He's I like the way he played. Too. I mean, I think he's definitely at least a fourth liner in the NHL already. So, right. You know, it's at Levo. Well, I mean, Levo, Levo like, yeah. I wrote about him, you know, for The Athletic Today. He's, I don't think he's going to get a shot, but, like, he is an NHL player. He's, th- this is the best 13th, 14th forward I've ever seen on the Leafs since I've covered the team. Like, it's been a long time since they've had depth like this in the organization. So, you know, I I don't know that the Leafs had the greatest offseason in the world, but because of the development system has done a good job and the drafting has, has done a good job and finding these guys over in Europe. I mean, you take a Rosen, a Borgman, and an Alton, and we'll see how good these guys are going to be. But at worst, they're borderline NHL players. You add a whole bunch more of those guys in, it, it just gives you a lot more depth. Well, in, in the case of, like, Borgman... Um, starting the year with the team. If it doesn't work, they can just yeah. send him down, try someone else. Yeah. I don't know, you try Rosen. If he doesn't work, you try Dermot. Like, they have at yeah. least options to play with. I'm really curious, and, and this is a bit off topic, but um, what's going to happen with, like, the way that the pairs are actually done? Like, I'm really curious to see if that Hainsey riley pairing actually works. Well, and do they get the tough matchups, do you think? Could you tell from preseason who is You couldn't tough? like I looked uh in the in the I Montreal if Gardner's gets the tough matchups. Well, so the the Montreal game was that the Montreal game where they played like a full NHL lineup. Right. He basically split it and I think that's probably what he'll do to start like he'll use Kadri, Riley, Hainsey against one top line. And then use Zaitsev, Matthews against another. But there's some teams where you have to choose. If well, you're that's playing McDavid, you got to like. Pick, and that's right? when we'll find out. We're not going to find out in the opener because, you know, Shifley's playing on one line, Lyonnais on another, they're on the road. I think eventually it's got to be Zaitsev and. We'll get the Rangers Gardner. on Saturday and Chicago on Monday. So, some pretty good, te- interesting teams to see right off the bat. Like, it's not like we're getting. Right. 
dregs of the league here. But anyway, so. like I'm just really curious to see if Hainsey works up there. And then if he doesn't, what do they do? Because I don't know what the option is. I was going to ask you, what do you... Uh, we're jumping around here a little bit, but like, so the Leafs play pretty well in preseason. They yeah. won a lot of games. They look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Does that... Like, to me... The, I don't care about I, preseason. I changed my prediction just a little bit. The only thing I cared about is, is how good Neilander and Matthews look. Right. Yeah. To me, that... Like, is they a, look like overwhelmed. Like, they yeah. look better from last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to um, one player. I don't want to say who it was, and I won't, I won't say... Quote, I don't know. This is, someone, story. this is different. Uh, I don't want to even say what team they're from, but they they had watched Matthews and Neilander play in the preseason, and they were like... They basically were like, I hope it doesn't go to their head kind of thing. Like, just like how easy they made it look. You know, It's like, a bit oh. like a video game. It was, yeah. Some of those goals Matthews scored, it was just like... Well, it's just like you're pairing together two guys who are exceptionally skilled. Like, even, like, look at other combos, like um, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is not skilled to the degree that Nylander is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was looking at... You were talking to Nylander the other day. Oh, I'm trying to... And I was yeah. looking at him, and he's there's this impression of him of being this, like, really small, like, timid, whatever kind of guy. He's, he's pretty big. Like, yeah. he's... You you look at him. His back across is very wide. Like it's not. His dad was a big guy. Like it's not. I think we have the wrong. I don't. I say the collective we. Like everyone has the wrong impression of Neilander because he's so fast and he's so good with yeah. the puck. I don't know what they list him at, but he's probably like six foot, close to two hundred pounds. Like he's yeah. not. He's, well, he's not Marner. No, like, he's Marner not is at all. Small. No. Like I, I, I bet you Neilander's chest size is quite large yeah like, and you see him without his equipment like he's broad yes kind of yeah these anyway so there's like a lot of power there too in the way and then that's part of how well he shoots the puck and how he passes the puck and mm-hmm. you know he's not a huge guy but he's an average size nhl player well and i mean it's got to take some degree of strength to get a shot off like that that quick yeah and that effective i think like, it does a really good shot i remember randy carlisle one time i did a story just about kessel's shot and randy carlisle told me that the reason kessel could shoot like that is he has so much lower body power. Like, he's... Kessel's a little bit pear-shaped, and I don't say that in, like, a, making fun of him. It's just, like, that's his body type. Mm-hmm. And that lower body strength that makes him such a fast skater, also, he can put it into his shot. And I think that you can see that with Nylander. Nylander's he's got big legs. He's got... He's a big kid. Well, and it seems like with Borgman, um, that's, like, part of the draw with him, is, like, he... He may be young. He doesn't have much experience, but he's big. And he looks like he's ready physically to play in the NHL. We'll see if that's the case. Babcock really likes that combination of speed and power, which makes sense. I mean, like the NHL has gotten away from where it was just power. And you could be slow. You could be Darian Hatcher and Hal Gill and those kind of guys. Like now it's like if you can move the puck and skate and you're strong, that's what he wants to see. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean like how big you are. It's... Well, like strength isn't just all how about how big you are. Crosby's not the biggest guy in the world, but he has like massive legs. Right. Yeah. Did you see what did you see the Crosby story that Josh Yohe did? We launched in Pittsburgh last week um to the great fanfare across <laughs> across the yeah. the city. Um did you see the story he did on Crosby? It was really good. It was about how Crosby um can be a really good player at an older age because of the way he plays the game and his lower body strength and I was like, "Huh, I've never seen that point made." And I thought that that was really, really interesting. Like, it's not just about... He's not a player that just succeeds based on... Like, if he loses a step in terms of speed, he'll probably still be fine. And that's why guys like Mark Recchi and um, 
Well, there's uh, a guy right Yager here. And... Well, like I'm working on like a deep dive on Patrick Marlowe. But Marlowe can still skate. But Marlowe can still skate. Yeah. So like the fact Marlo's that he's a freak, man. Like there's it's another crazy. guy. Like you watch him in training camp and stuff, and it's like. He, you talk about speed and power. Like, that's what he is. Well, like, I was talking to Joe Pavelski the other day about him. And I was like, like, what are people missing? And he basically just said, like, you guys just don't come out here enough. You don't see him enough. You don't see us enough. Like, he's been this for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think there's probably some degree of truth to that. Like, what would Patrick Marlowe's perception be if those 20 years were all spent in Toronto or Chicago or Boston or something like that? He hasn't missed a game in eight years. Since 2009. Eight seasons, he hasn't missed a game. And I think that season he only missed like six or something. Like he did. And like I think a couple of them were for the flu. Right. The stories like I'm hearing about him are pretty He's like the unbreakable man. He's like Bruce Willis in that, that movie. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called Unbreakable. I think I did see that. Where it turns out he can't, Is that with, uh, it turns out he can't Samuel be Jackson? Yeah, Samuel Jackson's Mr. That's Class. That's a weird movie, I think. It's like Marlowe and Lupul. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Lupo situation at all? Because you kind of got Nothing some really news happened. on that a couple weeks ago. Right. I mean, the, the news was the league was looking into it, but it came out today that they've decided on a second. Well, and in your story, you point out how that helps them. Maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, so the Leafs have $5 million in cap space, basically. 4.8, uh, as far as I can tell, is what they've got. So the other thing, too, is that if it doesn't work on D, they can add. They've got room to add. So. The thing is, when you have guys on LTIR, which they do with, with Lupul and, and Horton now, uh, your cap space doesn't grow during the season the way that it does if you're under the cap. You know how like it, it'll expand based on yeah. as the year goes along? That's not going to happen. So they're basically at 4.8 for the rest of the year, and that's what they're, they're going to have because Lupul and Horton aren't going to come back off uh, LTIR. So. Right. But it's good. I mean, that's... That's well, enough flexibility. Well, and so that's why, like, my first thought on the Marlowe acquisition was, like, if you have that space and you think he helps you, then use it. Like, I, I, I've kind of come around a little bit that they maybe As long as the third year doesn't hurt him. That they didn't need him. But if you have the space, why not use it? If you it make also it, depends it better. how good Marlowe is, too. Sure. Of course like it if, does. If he's really taken a step... You look at his numbers and he's, he took a step back last yep, year. For sure. If that continues and he continues to decline, he's yeah. really old. Like, he's going to be he's one of the five oldest players in the league. Mm-hmm. But some guys are freaks. I mean, he well, looks like a freak in person. He they looks were like... interested in Joe Thornton, too. He's the same age. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, he still he still was a productive NHL player last year. Like You've been not... talking to lots of people about Marlowe. Is he just, like, a, a gym freak or something? Like, he's... He... Yeah, he takes really good care of himself. I don't want to spoil too much, but I think... Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. Some guy, I think those are the only guys that are going to play into their late 30s in the NHL. Anymore. You just have to be a freak of fitness. And let's let's actually talk about that because that's the next thing I want to talk about. Uh, Dominic Moore kind of beat out Mir Alton and kind of didn't. Uh, Mir Alton was sent down. It looks like Eric Fair is actually going to be their starting fourth-line center. Both those guys were kind of prominent in your piece looking at how the league is trending younger. Right. What do you think that says about them and maybe when you look at it compared to someone like Marlowe. I don't know if that's a good question, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Marlowe is the exception for sure. Right. But the thing but that, like the Moore thing is my, 37 too. So, so the piece I wrote was about how the NHL is getting younger. And we, we've known that for five years. That's not a new revelation. What I wanted to know is where is it getting younger? Like who's being knocked out of the league? You look around the league today and the final rosters came in for all of the 31 NHL teams. And 
most of the guys on PTOs were just kicked out the door. Like, how? not very many guys got contracts. Hmm. Yeah, I saw guys like Teddy Purcell, and I don't think Dan Winnick has a contract in Minnesota. You know, and they've had some injuries there, so that might still be up in the air. But I saw Scotty Upshaw got a contract, and Jimmy Hayes got a contract, and Tanner Glass got one. But not very many guys on those PTOs did. And a lot of those guys aren't that old. A lot of those guys are like 29, 30, 31. Um, Ferris 32 like that's not old I heard that Milan Mahalik retired he's only 32 you know it's like looking at the age trends guys are leaving the league starting at 27 that's got to be scary for like a lot of those fringier guys yeah fringy is a good word I hope they recognize that well did you yeah did you see like I had really in-depth conversations with Moore and Fair about that and Eric Fair in particular was talking about how frustrating it is because he came into the league in 05 right when the cap came in and it was kind of like he he said like you pay your dues and you get to free agency at 27 and then you get your big payday and it's Mm -hmm. like he's like that it's not there anymore and like we're just like hanging on for so i hope those guys like save some money and planned well financially because i think what you're gonna if i don't watch a lot of the nfl you probably watch way more of it than i do but what's happened in the nfl uh more and more is it the career lifespan is just getting shorter and shorter yep. and like running backs it's all about like using up their peak power years between like 21 and they're gone like in yeah. five years max. right that is going to happen in the nhl that is going to especially with fringe the, guys yeah so fringe guys especially with well guys. they're just going to get turned over and the more the smarter teams get the less they're going to be willing to pay for those fringier guys to big money in free agency like we we still see it sometimes like carl Olsner gets a massive five-year deal it's so dumb. But that stuff's going to happen. You know I what's going to happen? Like, what I'm surprised we don't see more of is, like, league minimum contracts. Like, I think there's going to be way more league minimum contracts. Like That's what happens in the NBA. Right. There's going to be teams in the NHL where your bottom three forwards and your two extra forwards, so your bottom five forwards are all, hmm. like, league minimum, basically, yeah. whether they're veterans or they're entry-level guys. And your D, at least your six and seven probably are, too. There's a whole bunch of money you could save, like if you look and at what, pay the better players, right. like instead of this stupid right. justification that these guys shouldn't take more. So there's all this talk. I, I really should write about this at some point. There's all this talk about, oh, are the Leafs going to be able to keep JVR and Nylander and Marner and Matthews? And it's like they could if they economize, if they budget properly. Yeah. If you don't pay Matt Martin, you can trade him or whatever. You don't have Eric Fair making two million as your thirteenth forward or your yeah. fourth. Well, that's four and a half million right there. Right. Who else is making money that's on the lower tiers of the roster? I mean, they've cleaned it up a little bit. Well, Bozak's their third center. He's making four to five. That's fine. I think you can justify sure. if you have a third line. And the thing too with Bozak is he's on the first power play unit. Like he, oh, he's, he's a good. Yeah, really he's a good, good player. power play player. Yeah. yeah. But your point is well made. Like if you just save around the edges. Well, yeah. it's like I don't, I don't know if you play. I know you play fantasy hockey. Not but, anymore. No, but last so, year I, I stopped. But so anybody who plays but like any to. fantasy sports and you have a certain amount of dollars to spend right. in football, like you just use a dollar for your kicker, you use a dollar for your defense. Like there are positions where you don't right. necessarily have to pay as much, right? And then you just go crazy to get the best wideout or right. quarterback. Defenseman, I would never draft in fantasy hockey. Like the way that my league go, I, I ran a league for like ten years, and defenseman, I really didn't prioritize because they just don't produce as much offense. Like they're just so I would always take my D rate at the end. Um, it was mostly like the high-end scorers that where you want to put your money into. And mm-hmm. I always found, in, at least in fantasy hockey with goaltending, 
is it's kind of a crapshoot for goaltending. So I didn't like spending a lot of money on goaltending either. So I would just Which try is and, what you'd probably espouse teams doing in the NHL. Yeah, that's what I would try. I would try and have two guys that have potential to have good years. You because like the the you're getting marginal gains by spending the five or six million to get a guy that's going to be a nine twenty over the right. two guys you could have that are probably nine sixteen or whatever. Like right. it's, it's not, all math. Like it's just like a big yeah. pie, and you yeah. just have only so many I slices. You can see the NHL is getting more sophisticated on that front as we go here, and that's part of what's squeezing out guys like Eric Fair. But so I haven't really understood um, the Dominic Moore thing. I didn't understand why like three days into camp, Mike Babcock was saying it's a competition. And now, like, apparently, it looks like Fair is going to be their starting fourth-line center. To me, like, Dominic Moore fits all the boxes that Mike Babcock likes in a fourth-line guy. What Maybe do you Fair think? just has more skill, like, more offensive skill. I, I he does, but, like, I don't get, like, tell, then it, okay, try to explain it to me. Well, even, like, the Alton and stuff didn't make a lot of sense. Well, in fair, I mean, Eric Fair is, what, six years younger than Dominic Moore? Yeah. I know he looks, he's a slower player, but he's he's got skill. He I think he, he had quite a few more points than Moore did in that preseason and i noticed him more offensively the question is what does the penalty kill look like this year i'm a bit confused who's who the penalty killers are going to be komarov i, I can Hyman, komarov brown? Hyman, brown and then well, see, whoever like, that fourth line guy is brown wasn't in the top two pk units last year was he yeah he was well he, his minutes like per game on the pk i think they should use him more good skater really smart player mm-hmm. they got to get more guys like that on the pk and less you know, slower centers. Like, Ben Smith on the penalty kill last year was a complete disaster. Yeah. Well, those guys are gone. Those guys won't play for them anymore. But, like, so you mentioned Fair. He had 11 points in 53 games last year. He had 14 and 55 the year before. 33 points when he was I like Dominic Moore, but I think... I just don't... I think he and Eric Fair are... I just think, like, based on the skill set, like, Dominic Moore is one of the better face-off guys in the league. He's a good penalty killer. He's gotten, like, I think around 20-some-odd points every year. He should use, like, Marner or something more on the PK. And then just, like... Just he likes um, he likes giving guys a role. Like, is Fair going to play PK? I would think so. So it'll be Fair and Brown? Yeah, as, like, their second unit forward group. I don't think it'll last. Like, I just think there... To me, there's something going on with Babcock in more in that, like, I think he's this is like some sort of psychological. Thing. Well, don't you? That's think just he's, like me trying to figure this out. Don't you think he's just trying to push these comfortable veterans, yeah, out of their comfort zone a that little bit? That makes sense. Like he needs he needs more at 37 years old to push to give him the extra two yeah. percent. Babcock's like that he, would make he's sense. wired different than I just don't know most how. Human I just don't know why you sign a guy in the very first day of free agency. And give him the impression that he fits with your team, and then right when camp starts, basically say, "Yeah, you don't have a job." We, we stopped doing the Babcock Bab socks. No, we're going to start doing. Are anyway. we? Yeah. I like the quote that he had about 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 this about Dominic Mori. Dom's a big Dom's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, he's been around. I think that's what that's what he said, right? Dom's, yeah. Dom's a big boy. I can't I can't do a, a Babcock impression. I just know I would be not the happiest guy if that was me, but. Think, but you're right. Maybe it'll okay. push. Yeah. I mean, oh, he's fine. But he's anyway. looking around the league and seeing all the guys on PTOs and that aren't in the league anymore. That's true. Listen, like he's, he's ha- home. He has also declined. Like Eric Fair, there was a noticeable decline last year for him. There was a noticeable decline for Dominic Moore too. I think it's good if it's more merit based than it has been in the past. Like very in the true. Past, Good point. 
in the past. So maybe you set that expectation early on, like this isn't your spot. Yeah. You don't live here. So that if he ends up starting in the press box, if he ends up sitting in the press box for 15 games, like that expectation, like I think they ran into some problems. My interpretation is they ran into some problems last year where they tried to sit Polak early in the year, right? They did sit Polak right. early in the year. I forgot about that. Like, um, And he felt like he should have. Yeah, I think he was upset. For sure. So, And he did it the season before, too. Babcock scratched him the first two games he was the coach. And, I mean, people listening are going to be like, well, so what? Who cares if he's pissed off? But, like, I think what you want is to set the expectations in the right place. So with more, sure. it's like. Yeah, that's a good point. You with more you say you're not you haven't earned the fourth line center like you're maybe you're gonna be the fourteenth forward maybe you could end up with the Marlies you better work your ass off you're right and if that gets like an extra two percent out of him I, I think that know. that's the way Babcock thinks like if it's not crazy I mean I don't know no it, I mean Babcock wants to win so he just he's gonna do people ask me sometimes about Babcock and analytics and whatever and I was like yeah he's into it he just wants to win like he. I mean, what did, I don't know. I don't think he minds doing a little psychological warfare with a guy like Dominic Moore. Okay, well, uh, since we were talking about Polak, what is your sense, like, what's going to happen with him? Well, at the beginning of camp, I thought he was going to be, like, the 7th, 8th D and be, like, an extra guy. They were going to carry 8 D. Mm-hmm. Babcock's done that quite often. He really likes having that left-right balance. I thought Polak played relatively well the last 20, 30 games of the season. That was the best hockey that he played for the Leafs. Um, but I can see why the Leafs are cautious because that one exhibition game he played, he did not look like he was skating properly. Uh, the injury he had was super, super serious. And you have to feel bad for the guy. I mean, it's, he probably would have had a contract for sure if he didn't get hurt. And mm-hmm. then it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Dave Boland situation where the former management really wanted to bring Boland back, even though he had that terrible injury. And now you look now, and he got a five-year deal from Florida, and he couldn't play anymore because of that injury. I mean, that, it happens, and it's business. You know, they have to make those decisions. Well, but, and that's why you don't sign him in the summer. Like, you basically say, we need to see you first. Right. And I think what they've seen is he's not ready yet. And so th- what they can do, and we'll see if he actually wants to do this, is they can just keep him around. I mean, we saw that they have no problem just having a guy stick around and practice with them. Right. Work out. From his perspective, the difficulty with that is you might end up in a situation like Prust or like Kerry Rambo where you don't end up getting a contract out of it and then right. and no you other just team. wasted your time. Yeah. Polak's not that old, so he's like I'm sure he won. Yeah, I think I'm sure he wants to play more hockey. And he's a guy a guy that won't want to go play in the AHL, so nope. what do you like I mean, I guess what it does is it buys them some time to look at Borgman and Rosen and get them into some games. And if they're mm-hmm. like, these guys are not ready, then it makes more sense maybe to bring in. Yeah. Well, and Polak's such a divisive player. And I think most of the people that like our work and listen to us don't like Polak and don't want him on the team. I think if he's your eighth D and he's okay with not playing all the time, that's fine. Yeah. My sense is he was not okay with not playing. That That's not the kind of player he is. Well, I guess they can see how Carrick looks. They can see lots of things. Like you can see how Polak comes back. Can they get him into some games at the Marlies at some point? I guess they could sign him to an amateur, tri- amateur tryout. Well, I think they'd have to sign him and then conditioning stint for two weeks. So I guess if they saw at a certain point, then they could do that. I don't know. I mean, what if they run into injuries? I mean, that's the other thing. But like you mentioned, they're better equipped to handle that stuff. I would not be surprised right at this point if Polak signed somewhere else. Yeah. 
Well, if that a was, team gets an injury, that was pretty telling after the first game he played, where Babcock usually like just gushes about Polak. He's just like, well, you know, he's an NHL player, wants to play in the NHL. He's a free agent, so he can sign anywhere. We'll see what happens. It goes back to what we're talking about with the older players. I mean, it's such a cutthroat league now. It's just you have to be. It's yeah, a cap, right? Um, you got to buy that. Talk about the extra two percent. Like that's yeah, it matters. Um, I want to talk about a couple things that you and I both wrote. Um, first, since he's subscribed to theathletic.com. Yeah, if you're not already, and again, the podcast is brought to you by Bab Socks. If you're not subscribed yet. Send me a tweet. I will give you a discount. <laughs> That's a good if deal. You, if, yeah, if you listen to that, I will give you a great deal. There's lots of stuff on there, even if you're not. Well, I can't even read all of our content anymore. Me too. I went. I, I've added every single NHL team on my feed, like even the ones the teams we don't cover, and it's just like, yeah. Some days there's like twenty some stories. Yeah. We got Duhatchik's pumping out like three things a day. Yager signing in in Calgary is going to be. There's I don't know. Now we got it's great. Now we're, we we have great. Um, I know Pittsburgh's working on a great Phil Kessel story, like just like an unbelievable one that will like blow everyone's mind. And now we got Yager we're covering, and we got there's some really interesting stuff. Like we got a uh, uh, Charlie O'Connor, the young guys doing analytical stuff on on the Flyers, who I think are really interesting. There's the league because it's changing so fast and bringing in all these young guys. It's almost hard to keep on top of all these good young players. I'm having sure. like there are guys like like Provorov in Philly who is unbelievable. Like he's the probably pretty close to a number one defenseman and he finished what like seventh in calder voting or whatever mm-hmm. like they're in like warensky doesn't get talked about enough well, look at like i know he's fallen off a little bit but he's like 21 aaron ekblad right i don't know like, like there's nobody just so talks many, about yeah. right there's just so many good young players but there's these guys that like i don't know anyway it's it's really interesting that young players are getting more of a chance and not only are they just getting a chance they're like they're excelling right away because they're more skilled i i watched the flyers and provorov looks like unbelievable he looks so good awesome skater he's like probably one of their best three or four players already Mm -hmm. so but anyway i just so i think i'm on a tangent you go ahead i was just gonna say the east is wide open there's all these teams with these young guys that are just gonna explode like i think a team like carolina with aho or or philly with provrov or some of these some of these teams could take a step that we're not expecting okay we'll get to that soon uh this is not well i guess he's still sort of young so josh leo 24 what do you think ends up happening with this? Because to me, it feels like he's just going to be stuck. Um, even if they do get injuries, I think a lot of injuries would have to happen before he gets a chance because I just think they'd go with other guys. And they might just bring Kapanen up. They, and play they just him. bring Kapanen up. They'd use Soshnikov. So like I don't know what happens. They should probably just trade him then. I mean, like, what's you're right. You're right. The piece you wrote was he's in like a Corrado situation where they don't want to move him, but they also don't want to play him and. And you can't get much for him in a trade. Like that's the thing. Like, you're going to get you a fourth gonna, round pick, right? Or something. So why do it? You'd rather just keep him just in case. I guess. I don't know. Like it's not. It's not kind to the player who, for a year, basically did nothing. I don't know. Like look what happened with Corrado. Like that's a good example. Now he is not an NHL player. Now he's an AHL guy. But I think Levo's got a stronger case. I do that too. He's an NHL player. I mean, look at his last two years. He's played 25 games. He has 15 points. I thought he looked really good in the preseason. I mean, if you get him below the hash marks, he can really make a move and get to the net now. The problem is they're too good. They don't have a spot for him in a top nine forward group, and they continue to trade play. Martin and then they play just, a guy like that. Well, they could, the thing is, they could have a really good fourth line. Trade they could Martin have, and play a guy like Levo. That's they what could they have, should do. Yeah. Like if if you want that extra two percent. You know, I think the Leafs are probably right in that range where they're a 97 to 100 point team. 
you know, you want to go for the division title or try and win the East, like start making some of these harder decisions. Well, and people will say, well, it's your 13th for- or your 12th forward. But the difference is, like, Matt Martin had nine points in 82 games. You get let's, a guy that let's say Leva, who, who might have 20, 25, might be able to score 10 goals, 12 goals. That's 12 goals that might help you win two more games. Like, that matters. The difference, too, is that I think what you see in the NHL a lot now, it's such a low-scoring league, it's like five goals a game, is that if you have a fourth line, we saw it when it was Boyle and Kappen and we're there. When you have a fourth line that can make a difference, that's more depth that can kind of break the stalemate. Like, sometimes the other lines cancel each other right, out. Right, because if you play a crappier fourth line... Like, Matthews might one. get cancelled out by Patrice Bergeron against the Bruins. Yeah. And then Kadri will get cancelled out by Krejci. But if you keep going down the roster and you got a fourth line that's that's really good, then you can't. they're not getting cancelled out. Which means they could, like in the game against Washington, they can score you a goal that wins you a game. So Martin had, had nine points. What do you have for goals? Four or something? Like, if you Five. get a guy in there that can have 11 or 12, then... He was like the second lowest scoring forward who played. And it costs you nothing. Games. I mean, it's in fact it's cheaper than than what Martin costs you. Yeah. So anyway, I just think I, it's. I a, wonder if there's going to be a deal at some point. I wonder if they trade. They could trade Komarov. I think maybe. Or a, yeah. That would open a spot. I, Brown just, is too good for the fourth line as well. That's going to change. Like I know people are focused on that. Eventually, what will happen is he'll just move up in the lineup. Like and they'll just move Komarov down. Right. Or some somebody will get hurt in the puzzle piece. Ty goes switch. to the veteran. That was the other thing that I liked that Babcock said the other day. It makes sense, doesn't it? Well, like it. there wasn't like this slam dunk case that Ramiro Altonen should be in the NHL right now, especially I didn't in that think role. He looked that good. He doesn't fit that role. I think they had to give him a long look because they made it. They brought him over from Europe, and yeah. he's playing in the KHL. He probably took a pay cut to come over here. They need these guys to feel like they're in the plans. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Um, you wrote a story on Zach Hyman that I wanted to talk to you about um, that basically says that he's going to score more this year. Leave Zach Hyman alone! Okay, so tell tell people why. Because what happened last year with Zach Hyman was 100% unsustainable. He had a 4.4% shooting percentage at even strength, which is one of the lowest of anybody in the last five years any forward um not only that but the opportunities that hyman got i think this is why fans are so frustrated with him he had so many glorious chances mm-hmm. so i when i originally i was going to talk to hyman about working with the leaf skill coaches how they were going to inject more skill into this guy who's like not a skilled player all this stuff i talked to hyman and he's a smart kid and he's basically like he didn't say this outright but he's basically like that's really not true all that stuff like it's not he doesn't think that he needs to reinvent the player that he is. He thinks he will score more this year. And when you look at the data, I think he's probably right. The question is, what does that mean? Like, how many more goals is that? Well, he how many shots did he have? He only had six even strength goals all year. He had four shorthanded. He only had six at even strength. Like, very, very few. And he had 156 shots. So he had almost two a game. That's, that's all situations. That does. Most of those were at even strength. Because so he, what he if, wasn't playing power. Play. What's an average player shoot? Like 9%? Uh, average forward, yeah. So how many goals is that there. if he... That's more. 9%. Well, let's make it easy and call that's it 10%. That's 15 or 16 goals. So, I don't know. He's not going to shoot 4% again. No. That's what your right. numbers basically show. So, he's... I mean, there are some guys that are really bad shooting percentage players. Like Dan Winnick was a guy, great possession player, really bad shooting percentage. 
And I think for a long time I thought, okay, Zach Hyman is, is the new Dan Winnick. And that would be my argument to people who are a really good possession player. People are like, well, you wouldn't play Dan Winnick with two players this good. And it's like, true. But then you look at the numbers and it's, um, Zach Hyman isn't Dan Winnick because of where his chances are coming from. Dan Winnick was a guy who would get possession and he would have some long-range shots and whatever. Mm-hmm. All of Hyman's shots are right in the circle. I found a great picture on, on the story of uh, Matthews going around behind the net, both the defensemen chasing him, the goalie looking at Matthews, Hyman standing right there by himself in the crease. And I, th- I just think that you look at um, how he scored in the American Hockey League, uh, how he scored in uh, the NCAA, his shooting percentages were not a problem. It's not like he couldn't score in those leagues. Mm-hmm. It's obviously harder to score in the NHL than in those leagues, but anyway. The other thing I found really funny was I talked to JVR about the thing, and I said, uh, you're really good at this. Hyman kind of struggled with this. Can you give him some – have you ever talked to him about it? Like, do you guys compare notes? And JVR was like, that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah we should talk yeah. about that. And it's like, this is like well, it's he's like never, a billion-dollar team. You, you would think that they would, like, get the guys helping each other, or I don't know. Yeah. Well, even if he can improve his hands around the net a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Leo Komarov does not have great hands. He scored 20 goals a couple times. So, this this is a little bit self-indulgent, but, like, I play beer league hockey every week. I do have terrible hands. Like, I can sympathize with Zach Hyman. I, I'm brutal with the puck. But I score goals because I just stand in front of the net. And the thing is, a lot of the times, the puck just drops into an open spot for you. Like, you don't have to have a big shot. You don't have to be... It's harder in the NHL, but I just think that Zach Hyman is really good at standing in front of the net. Yeah. He's, he had 156 shots. Almost His shooting distance was one of the closest of any player, and certainly any player that's not a star player in the league. You look at the, the close shooting distances for all the players, it's like McDavid, Crosby. Yeah, when I saw all that list, stars. I was like, holy crap. And then there was like Connor Cherry. Tavares was like three random times, one. and Andrew yeah. Shaw was the only like non-star that was like, and Sheary. Yeah. And there was one other guy. Shaw's Dave. a good comparison. He's got yes. a little bit more skill, I think, than... And he's Hyman. a center. Yeah. But that's... So I was looking for who is the Zach Hyman, and Andrew Shaw really came up in a lot of comparisons. It's very close, yeah. like, similar shooting percentage. So Andrew Shaw's a guy who has had some... I think he's had a 20-goal season. I think he's averaged 17 goals over 82 games. Mm-hmm. He's played a little bit on the power play, but... But not much. So and I, Hyman's not going to get power play. So time. I... If... Unless Hyman is, like, really, really, really stone hands... He should be in that ten to fourteen goal range at even strength. Yeah. And if he is, then his point totals come up at even strength to I think that people people need to not look at the what do you have, twenty eight points last year? People can't just look at twenty eight points and say, This guy can't score. He's not playing on the power play. So you have to look at his even strength points and his short handed production and say mm-hmm. like if if you get twenty eight points at even strength, you're a top six forward in the NHL. That that would put you in the top hundred and eighty forwards in the league. So it's not a lot of points. Yeah. So he can get there, basically. I think so, yeah. Yeah. But then the question is, I, I think what you do is you give him another 20 to 40 games. If he still can't score, then it's probably not just bad luck. And maybe you start making... The thing that Justin Bourne suggested at the, the athletic event last week was put Connor Brown in that spot on his off side. And I, that makes sense, except you need a guy in front of the net, and Connor Brown is 180 pounds. And I don't know if... How, yeah, I mean, he'll probably be hurt with That's him. the thing. Like, there's not, like, I know <coughs> the only other obvious choice is, is Patrick Marlowe. Komarov you, you could put in front of the net. Yeah, you could play him there. Yeah. Anyway, actually, that ties into what I wanted to talk to you next. We don't have a ton of time. You've got to get on a plane. Yeah, I do. Where are you going? Uh, Winnipeg. Do you have any good Winnipeg stories? I've lost my bags every time I've gone there. 
Really? Yeah, so I'm check I'm not gonna check anything. It's a I never trip. I never check bags. Yeah, the one time it happened, the last time it happened, it was like absolutely ridiculously cold. Yeah. And all I had was obviously what I was wearing and the people at the airline gave me like a t shirt and a uh toothbrush and like shaving oh cream my and God. stuff. So there was a winners across the street from my hotel. So I'm like, I'll just go get some stuff to wear to the game because all I had was like a hoodie and a jacket. It was like the most painful walk like I've ever had. It was, it was like minus thirty. Was, and yeah, you had... wind was blowing, and I was like, "This is hell." You like, should have bought some at the airport. Anyway, I couldn't buy anything. The, the, the stuff was just too crap. Anyway, um, you mentioned Connor Brown um, with Matthews. This is what I want to talk about next. Uh, I decided after Matthews had the hat trick to kind of get into whether he could score forty again. And one of the things that I found was he scored better with Matt with Connor Brown than he did with Neander. Yeah, I still think, obviously, based on what we've seen and based on what we saw, that him some and of that Neander, could be sample size and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. So anyway, um, I went into that thinking that he probably wouldn't score forty goals; that he'd probably be like thirty, thirty-five, something like that. I think he's going to score forty goals. And after everything we saw in the preseason, I, there's nothing to suggest he's not going. to I do think it. he's going to be in thirty-five to forty-five. Like, it would not yeah. surprise me if he has more. Sure, but. That's what he is. Like, what happened last year was not some... That was the big lesson, and I don't even know if I should have not known this, but you look historically, when guys do that, it, it's not an accident. Like, it's not just random. That It's not David Clarkson. It's not Jason Blake. You know what I mean? If you they, don't score 40 goals as a teenager by accident. You know what's really noteworthy with Matthews is... Um, some There was one columnist that was coming down, came down to training camp early and asked Babcock about why... Uh, Matthews didn't have any assists or whatever. Oh, yeah. The reason is that his line mates had one of the lower on-ice shooting percentages in well, the league. Zach Hyman. It's part of it, yeah. But even the defenseman didn't score that much. Like they're... Well, and you saw like what happened when they started using Riley in different situations. Suddenly, Riley yes. was right. Putting, Yeah. Right. The last 20 games of the season, all of a sudden, Riley was playing like 60% of his ice time with that Matthews line. And that was... I think that was part of what helped drive that Matthews line they did so well over the last 20 or 25 games is all of a sudden they had Riley against second lines. He was like a fourth forward for them a lot yes. of the time. Yes. Yeah. I remember Riley said really early on that he noticed being on the ice with them a lot more. So one benefit to playing Gardner and Zaitsev against top lines other than keeping Hainsey away from really good players, which is probably a good idea, is that Riley will be able to do some damage. Yeah. You pair him with Matthews. But the interesting thing I thought and we knew this at the time, and it's going to be the case again this year, he's just not going to get the crazy power play time that other top guys get. Uh-huh. Like, it's Matthews? always going to be cut in half, yeah. Uh-huh. So like, Maybe not always. N- maybe not always, but, like, Ovechkin had, like, almost, had like 300 power play minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, Braden Shen, like, some of the guys who... Kucherov were, like, I think was, like, 250. Matthews was under 200. Maybe you load Matthews up with more even-strength minutes then. Maybe, yeah. Like, they did really, really balance with the three lines last year. I don't yeah. think they should do that. I think they should pull that, that JVR, Bozak line. and then Really shelter it. Yeah. Yeah. Bring them down. I think they were at, like, 13 and a half, even strength minutes a game. Bring them down into the 12 mark and, and push Matthews more. Yeah. The, the thing was, last year, Matthews got tired out. Like, he got burnt out. Yeah. He had, was not used to the travel schedule. He played in the World Cup. Well, that was the, one of the things that Neilander brought up to me when I was asking him about Matthews. He's like, now, like, he's done it for a year. Like, he'll... And, right, he had a two-year period where he was, like, nonstop. I talked to someone um, who knows Matthews really well, and he said in the summer that he was just completely exhausted. That Matthews just had nothing. 
at some point I'm going to write about it, but like he like apparently didn't like had to like just not do anything for a while after yeah, they lost the I can playoffs. Understand like that. there just was not wasn't anything in the tank. But I you you watch him now and he looks charged. He's, he's had five months between games. He's yeah. he's going to be ready. Okay, last thing before we go. Um, you wrote a piece today, Tuesday, for The Athletic, kind of about expectations. And you touched on a little off the top that your expectations maybe went a touch higher. Like, I think one time, last time we talked, you were guessing like 96. 98, to I think I had. Was it now, now I'm saying about 100, yeah. Why do you think it's a little bit higher? And like maybe talk... Just watching. Discuss, I just, don't like asking you talk about questions, but like you mentioned the Eastern Conference as part of the yeah, conversation. Yeah, well, Anderson looks good. Matthews and Nylander look outstanding. I like the look of some of what's happening on the blue line. I just... Well, their third pair is going to be better. I didn't see anything watching those preseason games. It was a red flag that was like, this team's going to be held back. I mean, like, so you read the piece. What did you, did you, is there anything there you disagree with? Some people are calling me a homer and a bunch of stuff and whatever. It's, no, I think you've made... Those people I got to send I got to send my stories from two or three years ago. <laughs> I saw you tweeted, you know, that the, the Penguins won a cup with Hainsey. And I think that there's a misinterpretation of that. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> this idea that because you have one player who's probably, not probably, is out of place in that role that you can't win. And it, like that's just not the way it works. Like there's so many components to a team that if one is a little bit off, but like you're so much higher in the other stuff, maybe it doesn't matter. And well, maybe if they use that pairing as a second pairing, it matters less. I th- I think that what they got to do with Hainsey is keep him at about 18 minutes. Just use him PK and like right. he's your number four D. Yes. And the thing too is that if he does struggle, get Carrick up there. I mean, if you look at the even strength minutes for last year, I was looking at this the other day. Carrick was their fourth defenseman. He played more at even strength on average per game than Polak and Hunwick did. Hmm. Polak and Hunwick were the so Carrick was in the top four last year. I think he did okay. I mean, I think that and Carrick's young; he's getting better. Um, well, and if like your your second pair is Riley Carrick, you're not playing them against top lines. Like get they get those two out with the Matthews line. Zone, I mean, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Give them offensive zone starts, and I think the big, the most important thing again is the depth. They're going to have injuries, like unless the sports science division is just like a bunch of like <laughs> wizards, which it kind of looks like they might be. Um, but like somebody will get hurt, and now suddenly they actually have players who wasn't might be that able the thing with in. the Jays though? Is that they didn't have any injuries not this year, but the year before? And I was like, oh, this new sports science division did a great. I don't, I don't, I haven't followed it super closely, but I got. And then this year they're like, oh, the sports science division's crap because everyone got hurt. <laughs> yeah, but that makes like a big difference. I remember there was always in in the NBA, Steve Nash just kept playing and playing and playing and never getting. Like I think he got hurt a little bit. He had back issues. But the Phoenix Suns were known to have like this crazy good medical department. The Leafs have it. The Leafs have it. Like, Colin Greening was telling me about it. He's, in that old guy story, I got into it a little bit. He was talking about a whole bunch of stuff. I didn't. I had to look up what it was. Like, how do you get through camp? Was, oh, Colin Greening was talking about like stim packs and like. Uh, yeah, Joffrey Lupo. I remember telling me about some of that stuff. What was the other? We got to do a story on it. Uh, cryogenic chambers. Yeah. Yeah. Cryogenic chambers that they like. Colin Greening, a Marley's player. Who they're burying and they yeah. don't want is in a cryogenic chamber after games and like re regenerating his giant muscles or I don't know like how do you get through training camp without an injury? Who got hurt? Yeah, that's true. Nothing. The other thing I think that they've done really, really well is they've convinced Babcock of the benefits of rest. Their practices are short, they cut, yeah. they don't they have off ice workouts a lot. 
the Leafs practiced less than I've seen any Leafs team practice last year before. And that is the sports science team doing that. Well, and they have these trackers that basically tell them when they're, yeah. they've are they exerted too much energy. I've been working on that story. Yeah, good yeah. luck. Well, I, I talked to the company and I That's got good. some stuff. All right. All right, well, we'll look for that. We soon. have many things we are working many on. Things. Subscribe to The Athletic. Buy Bab Socks. Thanks for listening. Jonas is going to Winnipeg. I'm going to sit on my couch and... <sighs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Season season starts. Yeah. By the time we do this next week, I think there'll be two or three games in the books. Yeah. Well, three games by Monday. So yeah, we'll so. do one on Tuesday next week. And, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Times are changing. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Murdo. See a dying star